The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, Who Rules Your Life? Is Democracy Scary? And How Can We Make It Better? How would you like to have a million strangers decide what you wear each day, what you eat for lunch, and who you date? Well, democracies like that. All kinds of strangers telling you who you can marry, whether you can have an abortion, who can carry a gun, and whether or not we go to war. Whatever your wishes, in many vital areas, you don't have the deciding vote. And your life can be critically impacted by the beliefs and actions of millions of people you may not trust and can't control. Boy, that's a scary thought. It and is. now we have even more democracy. We used to have just two political parties, a few media, media outlets, and one phone company. Now we have the Internet, lots of choices. Everyone's on YouTube, and somebody is advocating for just about everything. Most of us like democracy when we win, but think others are idiots when we're outvoted. Absolutely. Let's get real about democracy, <laughs> how we feel about it, how technology is impacting it, and what we can do to make it better. Stay tuned, call in, and join our post-show forum. And now... Here's Beth. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Thank you, James, and welcome to Inside Out today. Well, what a question. I hope you're already running to the phone. Or if you're in a car driving, do not run. Just, uh, oh, my God, pull over and dial. Uh, Because I would love to hear if you guys are willing to admit that democracy scares you. Now, you know, this... uh, this show came about because uh, a friend of mine was talking to me about technology and society and how technology and society intersect. And I started thinking about the challenge of democracy because technology is really making uh, power more available to all of us. Well, on some level, you can see that we can produce solar energy, at least if you don't live where we live, because we can't produce very much solar energy here. (laughs) But that's a way that we can literally produce power. And we can have internet radio, and we can go on YouTube, and we can have videos. We can do all of this, and and those opportunities weren't in there in the past. Uh, you can make a DVD and out of your own, you know, on your own computer. That means that you have much more of a voice than you ever had. However, that also means that everybody else has more of a voice than they ever had. And I don't like my voice getting drowned out. Now, it reminds me a little bit of the Declaration of Independence and those rights, those inalienable rights that we were given, except it was only given to white men, not to black men and not to women of any color. And the reason that I'm mentioning that is that it really goes to show you that way back then, People felt afraid of democracy. They did not want to give the vote to people. They didn't want to have power over their lives. For instance, their slaves might not have appreciated slavery and might have voted it out a lot sooner. What do you think, James? Well, hello, Reconstruction. That's what happened. Exactly. And then 
It's the same thing with women. We were not uh, given the vote because people were afraid of what women would do that might upside down things. And of course, that happens today. People are afraid of the Hispanic vote. Uh, there's voter suppression going on right now. Uh, you know, we're in many places, there's all kinds of rigging of the ballot so that uh, poor people, black people, Latino people cannot vote. So I get it, though, because, you know, I can sit here and say, oh, that's terrible. But I don't want other people to tell me what to do. And I understand how that feels. And so I'm not kidding when I said, how would you like it if millions of people could tell you what to wear every day? They certainly wouldn't choose the outfits that I pick. And that is really what it's like to be in a democracy. You have other people who are making decisions. And, uh, you know, in a way, sometimes that can be, instead of democracy rules, mob rules. Supposing everybody has gone berserk on the same day and they have the vote. (laughs) Now, you think that that's crazy. Okay, that doesn't happen. Well, it does happen. And I, can, I would say that the invasion of Iraq was an example of that. Um, George Bush started telling us about weapons of mass destruction and all kinds of information they had and secret information they had and top secret information they had. Got everybody all agitated, scared, and, you know, got everybody going so that they could do what? invade Iraq and we're still there. Oh my God, can you believe it? We're still there. Those of you who are confused about what's happening in Iraq are not alone. We had a show a couple of weeks ago about Iraq and uh, how you felt about it. I don't want to get off on that, but I'm bringing this up for the reason of saying that there was this sense that the nation was ready to go to war based on what? And if you have ever had the misfortune to be in the presence of a lynch mob, which I have not personally had that experience, uh, you know that the, the mob, the majority, may do some terrible things, unconscionable things. And then there's just the ordinary, I disagree with you, you disagree with me kinds of things. Oh, I... This one thinks it's okay to smoke pot. This one thinks it isn't okay to smoke pot. There was a time when we weren't allowed to drink alcohol, which, you know, I can understand why people went out in the severance movement and wanted to stop alcohol because so many women were losing their husbands and sons and plus women losing themselves. But it was even more about that. So I can understand that, but it may not have been the wisest choice because in the end, uh, that really just fueled the mob. So we do things for all kinds of reasons. We have different opinions. We have different perspectives. And the beauty is when we bring our perspectives together. Now, that is what democracy is supposed to be. And so you see, I'm going to give you the end of the show in the beginning, (laughs) (laughs) which is the beauty of democracy is that we can hear perspectives that challenge us and that make us think. And then it is our job to come together and synthesize all that wisdom into a higher consciousness. But do we do that? Frequently not. Frequently what happens is we have democratic arguments and we have vilification 
and we have attack ads, and we have people putting each other down for having opinions. Now, I do that too, don't I, James? I do that with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's hard enough getting two people to agree, let alone a whole nation. Yeah, and if I disagree with you, James, it's, you know, obviously you're wrong. But actually, (laughs) (coughs) you know, when we are both intending, and that makes the difference, when we are both intending to come together, then the diversity of our views and our perspectives becomes a benefit and a blessing. But when our intention is not to come together, then the diversity of our views becomes an excuse to kill each other off. Don't you think that's true? Yeah, we do it uh, mentally, emotionally, kill off the yes. other person, and you're right yes. and they're wrong, and you're dominant and they're nobody. So if you think about the way that our political system is working right now, you certainly will see that people are trying to kill each other off. And so whenever there is a divisive topic, that becomes the rallying cry to prove that the other guy is an idiot and that your side is right and everybody's running around trying to get people to agree with them and to make the other guys look like idiots. And I tell you guys, it is very hard to keep your cool and keep your spiritual center when you're listening to the other side making you look like an idiot. You know, how do we not have an ego reaction when somebody is attacking us? So there's nothing that spoils a, 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 an intelligent conversation more than an attack. You know, one person comes up with an attack ad, and then the other feels that they have to come up with an attack ad. In fact, in some situations, it's been shown that that seems to be the only way of getting people to listen. It's like, oh, you attack back, and if you really try to have a measured conversation, nobody is going to be listening to you. So this is a very key point, and I'm going to make it, I hope, as clearly as I can. The solution is for us to actually have the intention of coming together to understand each perspective and to see how they can work together synergistically. That's how democracy works. Democracy doesn't work when people are just attacking in order to make themselves look right or using every issue that comes up for partisan purposes Or they're using it for domination. Because when you're on the other side of that, of course, you're going to have a reaction. The ego begets ego, and that's the way it is. So I will give you an example. Uh, There had been, especially in the past, a lot of debate about abortion. And I would hear one side say, a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body and how many children she has. And I so think that's true. And I also believe that the having unwanted children is a horrible destiny to give to a child. And then we have the people on the other side, say, side saying life begins at conception and that um, it's abortion is murder. You are killing something that is, in fact, alive. Now, aren't they both true? And this is the thing that used to bother me so much about this debate, that people were not willing to talk about the truth in the other person's position because they were busy trying to dominate and get their own point across and trying to 
jump on what the other person says. So some stupid politician, and I'm saying stupid advisedly, I think you'll see why in a moment, gets up and starts to speak on some topic and opens his mouth and puts his foot right into it, makes himself look stupid, terrible, corrupt, racist, anti-feminist, whatever, and there will be legions of people jumping on this guy's ass to make him look like a fool. And his foolishness was the way that he expressed himself. But might there be, might there be some value in the point that he's making? Sometimes there is some truth to that, whatever point that he's making, if it was not put in a racist, sexist, whatever way. And you could, if we washed our ears out, we might be willing to hear what the other person is saying that has value. So you see, you know what's wrong with democracy? It's the ego. The ego is trying to dominate, trying to fight, trying to pick a fight. And that's what's all of our problems. It's about the ego. So I'd like to encourage you to call in and let's talk about democracy because I am willing to well, I've already gotten to the end of the show, so you don't, but please don't stick at just, I'm going to follow James' uh, suggestion. Stay tuned, despite the fact that I've already told you what the solution is, because we're far <laughs> from being able to do this. we got to flesh this picture out anyway. We have to flesh it out, and I want you guys to flesh it out. I want you to call in and talk about how you really feel about democracy. Okay, take your hand off your heart. We're, you're pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And get out of your partisan position long enough to think about this topic. And let's talk about how you feel about democracy and how technology is making our world so much more accessible and how to, for everyone to speak. And how do you really feel about that? Do you want to hear the Islamic jihadists speaking in your community at the library or on the internet? All right. So my first caller is James Maynard, because nobody else has called in yet. <laughs> but first, why don't I give everybody the phone number to call? Yes, good idea. Okay, here we go. Uh, call us at 866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Well, I have a few thoughts regarding uh, democracy and technology. And that is, look what's been able to happen in the world because of uh, uh, the Internet and because of cell phones. Uh, for example, the Arab Spring in those countries, uh, it was because of the, uh, like Egypt, for example, James, the Internet and the cell James, phones. Yeah, James, you're not talking about how you feel about democracy. And by the way, uh, we've got a caller. So you're ah. off the hook. But off I the hook for now, that, and then I'll, I'll come back to how yes, I feel about Yes, we're going to be going uh, on station break in a few minutes, but I've got Helen on the phone, so let's let her speak. And you think about what I asked you. Okay. Hi, Helen. Hi. Welcome to Inside Out. Thank you. I mean, I heard something years ago, you know, that democracy is the worst form of government in the world except for all the others. <laughs> And that I really, love that. What's the alternative? Exactly. I mean, that, but that's really spoke to me. It's like I, I too, 
and, and I saw just recently this little picture, which we've all seen, that says democracy is not a spectator sport. Yes. And, you know, I want it to be. I want somebody else to take care of it. I don't want to have to listen to everybody's point of view. I don't want to have to think about it. You know, I want to find some nice liberal politician that I can get behind and let them handle it. Yes, and how's that working for you? (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's okay when your party is in power or the people who run the news media that you read or listen to are in agreement with you. But it sure feels uncomfortable when you're hearing things that just, I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, can get absolutely outraged when I hear what some people say. Oh, I and know. I, and... Right, and I hate to think of those people as defining what my life is going to look like and what the fate of our world is going to be. I felt, I mean, going back to the Iraq example, I mean, I was sick. I felt appalled that this was going to happen and that we were going to be in an endless, uh, in endless trouble, which we are now still in endless trouble uh, because of it. And so I, I think it's really, really a scary thing. But I'm, I love what you're saying because it is true. What is the alternative? We could put, make ourselves in charge, but uh, who would vote for us? Really, God forbid. <laughs> and how much do we really know? Do we really have the answers to all of the world's problems? So how do you react? And uh, we're going to, again, we're going to go to commercial break for a, in a second, but I'd like you to hang in there, um, Helen. Though we, and I'm happy to say we have another brave caller. Uh, who, I'm just going to ask her to stay on hold until we're ready for her. But um, how do you feel, honestly, about other people making decisions for you? Because you've been talking about how, how you want to, someone else to make the decision, but really, do you? No. So there you are, the conundrum. I don't want to have to deal with this, but I don't trust anybody. Exactly. There you go. I'm terrified. I mean, I remember when George Bush was elected, and I was, just, I was really palpably terrified. Yes. Just terrified of what, you know, because he couldn't even pronounce nuclear. Right. And, I, and that, just, that just terrified me. I, I, was, I was just appalled at, at the fact that the population wanted this man who could not pronounce nuclear. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, uh, everybody has a vote. Well, yes, and did, did that make you more politically active and go out there and really try to rally for your perspective? Well, I did, I did actually do a little more in the next election. <laughs> ah, you did a little more in the next uh, uh, <laughs> election. election. Right. But what did you do in between? Anyway, we have got to go to commercial break. Okay. But do not go away, uh, Helen or my next caller, because there's lots more on Inside Out where we're going to get real about how we feel about democracy. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. 
At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back, and Helen, are you still with us? Hello. Yes, yes. Okay, so our Kevin, our engineer, reminded uh, us of something during the break, which I have forgotten, is that there was a poll taken when George Bush was elected, uh, which asked people, you know, uh, you know, their feelings about George Bush in this, would they like to have a beer with George Bush? And the majority of people said they did. And see, I think that the point, of course, there's a lot of points. One is that we don't always have majority ruling for a number of reasons. One reason is that not everybody votes. Not, uh, not everybody has the vote. Felons, for example, don't have the vote, right, James? That's right. And, and so there are vast numbers of people who do not have the vote. Uh, then there are people who uh, don't vote even if they have it. And then there are people who want to vote but can't because they're being blocked. So by the time you get done with it, is the majority ruling anyway? But when you think about that statement, is I'd like to have a beer with George Bush, um, maybe one of the things that that is telling us, and this is not a joke, is what are people looking for in a leader? Are they looking for somebody who feels homey and friendly that they can identify with because they also can't pronounce the word nuclear? And that includes me, by the way. I stumbled over the word nuclear the other day and inside out. Uh, or, you know, are they looking for a friendly guy or somebody that they think it would be a drinking buddy for them? Or are they looking for a father figure? Are they looking for a charismatic progressive figure like um, our President Obama? Uh, or are they looking for somebody who's just going to express all their anger and their rebellion against the way things are? I mean, it's so many. What, are, what is it that really motivates us in choosing a leader? So before we go and let you go, Helen, I want to ask you, what are you really looking for when you vote for someone? That's a really good question. Um... Well, let me just see if I can answer it related to when Obama was running, um, and he was running against Hillary and the party. Yes. And 
for some reason, I really wanted him, even though I'm all for women's rights. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was warmer and more real, and that meant something to me. So, you know, but besides the fact, I mean, I know they're both brilliant. Yeah. And uh, hardworking and, you know, the other things that I value, politically astute and able to negotiate and uh, willing to listen and, and diverse. Another reason I wanted him was because he represented the hope of diversity coming together in the United States. And, of course, a woman maybe would represent that, too, but I felt like, you know, the racial divide was important. So, I mean, God, there are so many reasons. I'd like to make a comment on that, and then I'm going to let you go, Helen. I really appreciate your calling. I think that... um, what my observation around Hillary Clinton and uh, Obama is that Hillary Clinton was at that time more associated with the old Democratic Party and with the progressive beliefs, and that uh, Obama at that time seemed to exactly what you're talking about. Uh, he was the hope of bringing people together, not because, not only because of the racial issue, of course, which is significant, but the way he talked. It was there's no blue states, there's no red states, there's no black Americans, there's we're all Americans, and so on. And there was a longing that he represented, a longing for us to come together and do what I was talking about in the beginning of the show about what democracy is supposed to do, is bring together the gifts and talents that everybody had. And when we, I felt that Hillary Clinton campaign in those early stages was very attacking and negative. And that was my perception. Anyway, I, I don't have, we're not here to debate the reality. I'm just saying that was the way I perceived it. And that represented somehow the old way. And I was looking for the new way, like the new spirituality and the new democracy. And, you know, I don't know whether Obama let us down or we let Obama down. But certainly the way our nation has gone since Obama was elected has been anything but coming together. And uh, that's, the, a, that's the real crisis in democracy, I think, today. So thank you so much for calling, Helen. I always appreciate your calls. And now... Uh, Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, that's Irene. Hi. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad we have this topic because I don't think there's any topic that my opinions uh, are at more contradiction with my actions and beliefs than, than any other. And um, I have lots of experience on several levels of, of this because I was a nun from the age of 17 to 31. And uh, although people don't know this, these religious communities are democratic organizations. And... They're hierarchical democratic organizations, but you vote for your leaders, and you also vote for things like the where and what work you're going to do and where you're going to go in the community, not you personally, but the community. And I re- uh, one of the reasons I left was I realized that I didn't want to have to get 500 women to agree if I wanted to change the clothes I was wearing, the, oh you know, God, what, what a look great like. example. I mean, you are the example that I was talking about when I said, how would you like, you know, strangers to tell you what to wear? Exactly. That, that's exactly what happened. And the only reason it works 
is it's very hierarchical and structured so that once you vote someone in, then what they say is law. But anyway, beyond that, when I left then, it's so funny because I married, and I married a very dependent, passive man because I was finally going to get my say. (laughs) Yes. Of course, we know how well that works, and then I had children, and we know how well it works to be authoritative with children. Oh, yes. So uh, I've had, uh, you know, many, and now I, uh, many years later, I'm living with a roommate, and we have to have meetings about where the pots and pans are going to be. (laughs) (laughs) If not, you know, you're looking in a different place every day for your favorite pan. So, um, but the thing that I'm most aware of and has bothered me for some time, because I'm, I'm very... I'm, I'm I'm progressive politically, and I'm very active politically, but I have the worst time listening to the other side. Here, and here. my <laughs> opinion is the other side is biased, they're uh, <laughs> violent, you know, I have all these opinions, and yet I know, for example, with my roommate, it's critical that I listen and understand the other side. Yes. But when it comes to national politics, it's very hard to find uh, a way where I can really understand the positions and not the uh, just the personalities of the other party. I think, Irene, that you're really reiterating, in a way, what I was talking about before. Um, which is, by the way, uh, Irene, is your, uh, is your radio down? Because I'm hearing a bit of an echo. Oh, it's, it's funny. I, I can, I'm hearing not an echo, but a muffling of sound. It's hard for me to hear the show. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, you know, we're fine. We'll do what we can. So, um, the going back to the point is that if people are attacking to us, we are going to attend, uh, attend to attack back. If we have people, quote, on the other side, if you even have a side, who are not um, actually at- attacking us, I think you would find that you could hear them a lot better. I know that I hear James a lot better when he's not attacking me, and I'm sure that the same is true on the other foot. So I don't think the real issue is whether or not we disagree, it's that, yes, you have an opinion, but are you coming into this conversation already determined that your opinion is correct? And are the people on the other side coming in with that? And then you are having no conversation. And what you're having is the rule of, of, quote, democracy rules in the sense that the majority gets together and decides whether it's wisely or foolishly. And uh, Kevin was our, uh, our engineer was also reminding me that this, uh, you know, our nation was founded as a republic. And part of the reason for that is there is a difference, is that there, it's not a straight democracy. We had an electoral college and we have the Senate, which has two people from a state rather than, you know, really totally representative democracy. And um, because they didn't want the, bigger states to overwhelm the smaller states. There was all kinds of checks and balances and 
the judiciary. I mean, who votes for the judiciary? And yet the Supreme Court is going to decide your life just as much as the Congress will and as much as the president does. So we have a lot of different opinions, uh, often contradicting each other and sometimes bringing us into total paralysis, which is what we're seeing now. And it comes from the, not, the, the lack of intention that I'm talking about. There is no intention to solve the problem as much as there is an intention to prove that we are right. And as long as we do that, it doesn't make any difference what checks and balances we have. The checks and balances have to be within us. The checks and balances are not between the judiciary and the executive and the Congress. The checks and balances have to be between us and our ego. Are we going to shut our ego up or is it going to run us forever and come into and dominate every relationship we have? So that's what I have to say on that topic. Yeah. So, Irene, thank you so much for your call. And I'd like to encourage other people to call in. We don't have anybody on the line yet. So, James, would you like to give out our number? Please feel free. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, call us. Uh, the number is 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. This show is not about politics. I mean, if you say, oh, I hate it when Inside Out talks about politics. I want to get back to me. I want to start talking about my problem. Well, this is our problem. This is, this is everybody's problem. You know, you go out on the road and either their potholes have been fixed or they haven't. And that, generally speaking, is, is uh, being determined by your local government or the Federal Highway Fund, or somebody other than you. Hey, I lived on a street that was a private street. We couldn't get our neighbors together to fix the potholes. Thank God for government, I have to say. Uh, uh. <laughs> that was the way it was. But we are, our lives are, this is about your life. This is about your life. This is not about politics. It's like something that's outside your life. It's about our, you know, what determines so much of our lives, what, what, uh, you know, how we take on the issue of global warming and pollution, for instance, is going to determine, to a great extent, your health. Your, are you going to have clean water? You're going to have dirty water. Are you going to have clean air? You're going to have dirty air. You know, are you going to have emergency rooms? Or are you going to have no health care for poor people so that they're in the emergency rooms and you can't go in an emergency and get any help? You know, is Everything is determined by everybody, whether we're talking about the vote or we're talking about other ways in which we really rule each other. So please do call in and, and talk about the reality of that and how you feel about it. So, I'd like to share about how yes. I feel. Thank you. Well, okay. I feel a, a feeling of disappointment that we don't have a true democracy. Now, we have a jury system, and then there's a certain amount of votes, and, and uh, that's what keeps us honest in, in the, uh, the justice system more than anything else. But uh, what we have is what I think of as a moneyocracy, uh, typically. And that is, just a few years ago, during the early 2000s, money, money, money was, was what determined what happened. Mm -hmm. And still, to a high degree, that's the case. Whoever had the most money to pay for the most advertising in their political campaign uh, 
and the most bites and the most attack ads usually won. And uh, in 2008, we had a beginning of a turning of a tide when Obama was able to get lots and lots and lots of grassroots contributions because of the Internet. And that has enabled more of a pendulum swing toward uh, a greater democracy. But it's still not there. We have gerrymandering, gerrymandering of, of districts. So we don't have democracy within each congressional district that votes for the representative with the result that we have extreme polarization in Congress and very little action, etc. So it's, that's kind of scary to me that we're at the mercy of uh, extremists, in a sense, instead of uh, having uh, one person, one vote, a Democratic vote in every congressional district, and so on. Uh, so I feel both disappointed and apprehensive okay, that we have that going on. I can appreciate that. And, and I feel hopeful because of the fact of the Internet and how, how much campaign money can be raised uh, from small contributions to enable that to have uh, a counterbalancing power to the big money. Okay, well, the one thing I didn't hear you say, I mean, I heard you talk a little bit about your apprehension, but I, I didn't hear you say, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Well, I don't mind there being laws that tell me I have to drive on the right side of the road and I have to drive uh, no more than 55 or 40, depending on okay, the... Okay, suppose... Yeah. Well, James, I don't know about that 55 or <laughs> I think you're lying. Well, I fudge you, that a little bit. You fudge it a little bit. You wheel. fudge it any possibility, any moment that you possibly can. If you think you can get away with it, you fudge. Now, I assume that the CHP oh, is not I've changed my listening. ways. I'm going for high gas mileage now. <laughs> right. That's the new thing. I would like to share something when we, we're going to be going to break in a couple of minutes. And uh, I would like to share a, a different perspective on democracy that I have not shared um, already today that I think, uh, you know, comes from a more spiritual perspective. So the first thing, of course, I was confronting was the question of ego. And we have to address that in ourselves about what is our intention. And I don't like people telling me what to do. And I don't really want to hear anything that's going to make me uncomfortable. And I don't want to look at myself. And I don't want to change the way that I do things. I want to be able to do things in a way that's comfortable for me or that works for me or that gives me the best breaks. Uh, yes, I'd like there to be tax reform, but not if it means that it's going to cost me more taxes. Uh, it's, the, it's this kind of thing that we're always saying where it's just, you know, we're looking out for ourselves and we're not always looking at the whole. But I'd like to really delve into a deeper level of uh, how we can, what the options are, because Helen was saying, you know, democracy uh, sucks, but only, but when you consider the alternatives, uh, there it is. Uh, I think we have something that we can incorporate into democracy that we haven't done yet. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. 
Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at BethGreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back. I hope that you're listening with all ears, even though you're not calling in. And I'm going to take this as a directional signal that the universe wants me to talk uh, in this segment about what is not an alternative to democracy, but the way to transform democracy. And the first thing I've already talked about is is to really examine our attitudes when we come in. Um, are we trying to prove something? Are we trying to just protect ourselves? Are we really interested in the solution? Or do we have another agenda? And are we willing to do anything that's scary or that would make us think in a different way? And I love that question as a starting point. Because when we do that, we are not in an opinion like Irene was pointing out. We are in the inquiry. I would like to admit, and the first thing I'd like everybody out there to do is to take a deep breath (sighs) and admit, I really don't know. I really don't know. And I don't. I don't know how to fix this problem. I don't know how to fix that problem. I don't know how to run the world. You know, when... Helen was talking about getting a charismatic figure who was going to make the world safe for me or run it the way I would like. That's assuming that I even know. I can't go there anymore. I cannot pretend that I have answers that I do not. And what is sorely lacking in our political discourse is humility. And I can understand why. Humility is threatening. It threatens our egos for us to say, I don't know. And I bet it would threaten the, um, our, our popularity. You know, People, politicians who hesitate to think and inquire are often slammed for being indecisive. You're not supposed to not know. You're supposed to have all the answers. And all the answers are supposed to give benefit to the people who elect you. That is not the way to run a government or to run a family. If we elected a person 
the way Irene was talking about in the convent, a person, that person, yes, <coughs> excuse me, needs to be a leader. But that person doesn't have the answers. The purpose of the leader is to bring forward the wisdom of the collective or to stand up to the foolishness of the collective if that's what's necessary. And so the leader doesn't necessarily have the answers, but the leader may have some fabulous ideas and needs to know how to work with people with opposing views, not in order to compromise, but in order to get higher wisdom. And that really is my point. We believe so much of our languaging when we talk about democracy is we compromise. That is what is being proposed so that people feel like they're being in conflict between something which is principle-based. Whether I like people's principles or not, if they are coming out with a principle-based argument, I can respect the fact that this is important to them and they don't want to compromise. And then they're told that they are uh, divisive and that they are obstructionist because they won't compromise. And then you have people who do compromise and they end up standing for nothing. And then people get mad at them for that. If it's not compromise, then what is it? How do we reach consensus instead of compromise? How do millions of people come to consensus? And what is consensus? And what do you build consensus around? To me, that question is vital because that question is about the highest good of all. That's something I believe in. I've written a book called Living with Reality, which is free at my website, bethgreen.org. That's B-E-T-H-G-R-E-E-N.org. And you go and you sign up for my newsletter, which costs nothing, and you will get a 688-page ebook, which has a lot of answers. And they are not the kind of answers that we normally think of as answers. Oh, this is what we should do about X or Y or Z. The answers have to do with process, how we can begin to come together, how we need to treat ourselves differently, each other differently, how we need to change our relationship with ourselves, one another, and life itself. And there are answers in that book to these very serious issues, which are not only about the government, but about who's going to decide where the pots and pans go and what color the walls should be. Now, if you believe there is such a thing as the highest good of all, how do you determine what that is? The highest good of all, in my estimation, is not that which makes us most comfortable or seems like the easiest way, the easier, softer way. The highest good of all is that which supports all of us to grow into our potential. I never hear that in the public discourse. Or I should say, I rarely hear that in the public discourse. And it's not about, oh, how is the educational system going to help our children? But how are we challenged to grow by the issues that are in front of us? 
And what does each one of us have to bring into that conversation? And what we do in our community, in the stream spiritual community that you can be a part of online, what we do is we actually check for divine consciousness. We discuss things thoroughly and we say there is a higher consciousness here. And I want to defer to that higher consciousness because if the choice comes from higher consciousness, then I have confidence that it will be for my highest good, your highest good, and everybody's highest good. One of the examples, you know, that I talk about in the book is when you go for a job and you want that job, you're not even asking if it's for your highest good to get that job. And you certainly aren't asking, is it for the highest good of all, including me, for me to get that job? It may be for my highest good to let go of that job and give it to this and have some other person get it. Someone who is better at it or needs the experience or whatever the universe determines is the way this should happen. As long as we in our narrow childish egos think that we have any answers and should have opinions about how things should go, we will have the battle of the egos forever. But if we begin to believe that there is a possibility of being guided by a higher awareness, whether you think of it as God, higher consciousness, uh, you know, the wisdom of the universe, uh, universal intelligence or whatever, if you believe that there is something like that, then you've got another way to go. You can have conversations and the purpose of those conversations is to bring information into the field that we desperately need to make decisions. I would like to share with you that I was told by my God, my higher power, that decisions should be made from the intersection of observation, experience, intuition, and common sense. So we need experience. We need people to share. Ah, yes, I tried that, and this is what happened. But they would have to be very honest about it and honest about themselves. Did they really try it, or were they drinking at the time? <laughs> you know, or were they in their egos when they did it? And this is what I learned. Oh, my God, isn't that fantastic? And what are you... What are we observing? And what does our common sense tell us? And then ultimately, what do we feel in our hearts when we try to tune into a higher wisdom? What is that higher wisdom trying to tell us? It's telling us how to transcend the domination of our narrow perspective and our ego in order to come to a solution that will really be for the highest good of all including me, and see that perspective, asking what is for the highest good of all, including me, helps us to avoid the fear. Oh my God, I'm scared of democracy because someone is going to do something that is going to hurt me. Absolutely, it's true. But if we were doing that, which is for the highest good of all, including me, and we were checking in on that, then I would actually begin to believe that whatever is happening is going to support me and I don't have to be afraid. So while it would be very difficult for us all to meet in a room 
close our eyes and hold hands and chant, we can begin to look at these questions from the perspective of what is for the highest good of all and try to inform ourselves, get the information, the experience, the observation, the common sense, and the absolute truthfulness, and then check in. And I see we have a caller, Elizabeth. We have just a few minutes to close, but welcome to Inside Out, Elizabeth. Thank you. I just wanted to say I'm actually glad there weren't other callers so you could say what you just said because that's bringing tears to my eyes because if people who run this country and the world would actually do that, that would just absolutely change things. Everything. Yeah. Yes, and they would have to feel that their constituents would support them and that they could come to the people and say, I did this, or I voted for this, because it was my sense that it was truly for the highest good of all, including every one of us. And this is how. And by the way, I'd like to offer here, too, that because of the technology we now have, I can see how this could possibly happen. What if in every congressional district, we had instant polling? Uh, people were invited to get neutral and, and ask what's for the highest good on this particular issue. And then, and then push a button and they get registered uh, on the Internet and uh, have the representatives uh, hear what the constituents uh, want. I love that idea. You know, the town halls are yeah. often used for people to argue rather yeah. than for people to come together. Yeah, true. So I'd like to thank you so much for that call, Elizabeth. We are going to be going into our closing now, but I feel very supported by what you just said. So now... James, would you like to share with us what we're tackling next week? Yes, I would. Next week's topic will be grounded spirituality, what it is and how we achieve it. Have you ever seen someone use spirituality to escape from reality? Do you do that? Like an addiction, spirituality can make us feel high. For a moment, we feel elevated above ordinary life and wish we could stay there or have been there. But most of us can't. Instead, we crash down into our normal depressed or anxious state as soon as we're back in everyday life. And that makes us feel ashamed. What about folks who use spirituality to make themselves look superior, pretending they aren't crabby, petty, or anxious like the rest of us, even though they are? Do you do that? Can we embrace spirituality deeply and not get high or puffed up? If we don't get high, will that stop the crash? Beth Green says yes. And she'll help you experience sober spirituality, one that is elevating and grounding at the same time. Using spirituality to get high does not ultimately nurture us. Sober spirituality does. Tune in, call in, and let Beth support us all to connect deeply to both our spirit and our feet at the same time. And now, a final word from Beth. Thank you so much, James. I'd like to go towards the close of this program by asking you, please, to read the Living the Reality book and particularly go into Platform 4, which is about becoming mutually supportive. When I really lay it out in depth, how we use the tool of asking what is for the highest good of all, including me, and what that process is all about. And realize that these problems that seem so insurmountable are not, that we can learn to be different. And I ask you to support Inside Out by liking it uh, on Facebook, by spreading these programs, by sending the links to friends, and ask them to start thinking about these too. We have a lot to confront, guys. 
And I hope that you are going to be with us. We're going to be here for another year at least. And we hope that you're going to be with us that whole time and keep spreading these ideas that are really here to heal us and make us well and help us to connect to each other in a way that's more supportive. Thank you so much. And do take a look at our online forum, which is shown on the right of the host page, how you can get more involved in the conversation. God bless and see you next time. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.